Section 45 of A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. A History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume 3, by Henry Charles Lee. Book 8, Chapter 2, Spheres of Action, Moriscos, Part 7. These spasmodic and fruitless efforts to convert the so-called converts were accompanied with frequent relaxations of the rigid canons against heresy, interesting because they infer a dim conception that toleration, after all, might be a more practical method of winning human souls than oppression and persecution. Unfortunately, this fluctuating policy was the most irrational that could be devised. The Moriscos had been so sedulously taught to abhor Christianity and to distrust their conquerors that leniency could be regarded only as dictated by fear, and as affording license to follow more undisguisedly the practices of their ancient faith, while the alternations of severity only increased their hatred of the religion of their oppressors. Edicts of grace were the favorite resort when there was a disposition to show moderation, but these, as we have seen, were for the most part nugatory, because they were contingent on recorded confessions and the obligation to denounce accomplices. The recorded confession rendered the penitent liable to the terrible penalties of relapse, and as the latter was sure to occur, the Morisco naturally hesitated to incur the liability. To obviate this objection, the unprecedented concession was made of suspending the canons concerning relapse. This could be done only by papal authority, and it was repeatedly tried. The earliest instant seems to be a brief of Clement the Seventh, December fifth, fifteen thirty, empowering Manrique to appoint confessors with faculties to absolve penitents, even if they had relapsed repeatedly, with secret absolution and penance, and to release them and their descendants from all penalties, disabilities, and confiscation. The reason alleged for this liberal condemnation of apostasy being the lack of priests in the Morisco districts to instruct the converts in the faith. It was not, however, until 1535 that Manrique transmitted this to the Valencia Tribunal with orders to execute it, and even then it does not seem to have exercised much influence on the number of trials, though if honestly put into operation it would have superseded them. This policy continued to be followed spasmodically, and grants exonerating from the penalties of relapse were repeatedly made during the rest of the century. There was also in the Edicts of Grace the necessity of denouncing accomplices, which the Moriscos, to their credit, could rarely persuade themselves to do. Bishop Figueroa of Segorbe pointed this out to Philip III as a matter of supreme importance, as it required them to accuse their parents, their wives, and their children, which even the secular laws pretermitted as a matter so horrible to human nature. Still it was required by the canon law and could not be omitted without special papal authority. Philip II was so convinced of its impolicy that when a crucial effort was to be made to test whether the Moriscos could be converted, as an alternative to expulsion, by an edict of grace on the most favorable terms, he endeavored to have this condition removed. But Clement VIII, as we have seen, volume 2, page 462, while granting in 1597 an edict covering relapse and conceding that confession could be made to the Episcopal ordinaries, insisted that confession must include full denunciation of the apostasy of others. Various causes delayed the publication of the edict until 1599, after Philip III had succeeded to the throne. 
Great preparations were made for it as a final experiment. Rectors, preachers, and commissioners were sent through the land, under detailed instructions from Ribera, who told them that the work was difficult but not impossible. Ribera's fund was drawn upon for the colleges, the barons were to found schools for the instruction of young children, and at Hermandad was organized to place girls in convents or in the families of old Christians. The edict was duly published in Valencia, August 22, 1599. Its term was for only one year, but was extended to 18 months. Philip III eagerly awaited the result, which was conveyed to him in a report of August 22, 1601, by the tribunal. During the 18 months of the edict, the inquisitor said, only 13 persons had come forward to take advantage of it, and these had made such fictitious confessions and had so protected their accomplices that they deserved condemnation rather than absolution. Some of them, indeed, had already been denounced to the Inquisition, so that they had evidently been impelled by fear rather than by the desire of conversion. The inquisitors went on to describe the Moriscos as Moors who would always be Moors, and, if the Inquisition did not convert them, it at least compelled them to sin with less publicity and thus diminished their evil example. This failure may be regarded as virtually deciding the fate of the Moriscos. Archbishop Ribera emphasized it in two strong memorials addressed to Philip III, and expulsion came to be recognized as the only solution of the situation, although the vacillation and irresolution of the court postponed for some years the execution of the measure. A glance at the tables in the appendix will show how little influence the successive edicts of grace had on the operations of the Inquisition, which reaps its harvests irrespective of them. Yet those tables reveal that between 1540 and 1563 there were periods during which the tribunal was idle, at least as to cases of heresy. These intervals represent some remarkable efforts to try the effect of moderation, which although neutralized by lack of cooperative work in winning over the converts, merit examination as measures without example in the career of the Spanish Holy Office. The nobles of Valencia complained forcibly of the disquiet caused among their vassals by the operations of the Inquisition, and the Cortes petitioned that thirty or forty years might be allowed for their instruction during which they should be exempt from prosecution. Charles assembled a junta of prelates and theologians, which suggested various plans of moderation and conciliation, from among which he selected that of granting a term of grace for past offenses, allowing them to confess sacramentally to confessors, and that a period should be provided for their instruction, during which the Inquisition should not prosecute them. This period was liberally fixed at twenty-six years, with the warning that, as they should use or abuse it, it would be extended or shortened. We have seen the failure to provide them with churches and instructors, and it is scarce surprising that they commenced to live openly as Moors, saying that, as they had thirty years in which to do as they pleased, they would take full advantage of it. This could not be permitted, and the effort to convert by toleration came to a speedy end. The tribunal, which had no cases in 1541, 1542, and 1543, resumed operations and had seventy-nine, thirty-seven, and forty-nine in 1544, 1545 and 1546, a portion of which, however, were undoubtedly the Judaizers prosecuted for revoking confessions. Volume 2, page 584. Then in 1547 came a reversion to a milder policy. A brief, dated August 2, 1546, was obtained from Paul III, of so liberal a character that it virtually superseded the Inquisition, by granting faculties to appoint confessors with full power to absolve in your troque foro, 
both sacramentally and judicially even those who had been condemned by the inquisition and to relieve them and their descendants from all disabilities unfortunately the faculty to appoint confessors was conferred on antonio ramirez de haro who had for some years been acting as apostolic commissioner in valencia with extensive powers over everything relating to the moriscos but he had in 1545 left valencia on a summons as bishop of segovia to attend the council of trent from which summons he succeeded in getting himself excused and had not subdelegated his authority according to the archbishop st thomas of villanova this made little difference because the brief was ineffective inasmuch as it required abjuration de vehemente entailing relaxation for relapse to which none of the converts would expose themselves he therefore suggested that more extensive faculties should be obtained to absolve and pardon without legal forms seeing that these people had been forcibly converted that they had never been instructed and that their intercourse with barbary indisposed them to christianity what followed is strikingly illustrative of the procrastination and neglect that rendered spanish administration so ineffective the commission of the bishop of segovia superseded both the inquisitorial and the episcopal jurisdiction and his absence left everything in confusion archbishop thomas wrote april twelfth fifteen forty seven to prince philip that since the bishop had gone the moriscos had daily become bolder in performing their moorish ceremonies as there was no one to restrain them and no time should be lost in getting him to subdelegate some one who could come at once promises were made that a person should be shortly sent but the habitual manana postponed it indefinitely on november tenth the archbishop again represented the complete liberty enjoyed by the conversos with no one empowered to correct them but his representations were neglected and in fifteen fifty one and fifteen fifty two he was still calling for someone authorized to keep the moriscos in order even when in fifteen fifty one the bishop of segovia who still retained his commission appointed the inquisitor gregorio de miranda as delegated commissioner he granted him no inquisitorial power and the valencia moriscos remained for ten years longer free from persecution this anomalous condition explains why the tables show only a few cases in fifteen forty seven fifteen forty eight and fifteen forty nine and then an entire cessation up to and including fifteen sixty two the former being probably the unfinished work of previous years. In 1561, Paul IV empowered Valdez to grant faculties to the Archbishop of Valencia and his ordinary to reconcile secretly the new Christians. In those cases which could be judicially proved, the confessions were to be made before a notary and delivered to the tribunal, where they remained of record against both the penitent and his accomplices, while in cases that could not be proved, the penances were to be purely spiritual this fresh experiment indicates a revival of interest in the morisco question to be necessarily followed by a return to the old methods in fifteen sixty two accordingly the tribunal began to act in Terrell, where the town of zia had the representation of an asylum for malefactors it was exclusively morisco no old christian being permitted to reside there finally all restrictions were removed and in fifteen sixty three the inquisition was vigorously at work with sixty two cases and held two autos in which appeared nine cases from zia after that there was no further interference with its functions and it continued to the end to contribute to share its rendering christianity odious what bishop ayala thought of its influence in this direction is indicated by his offer in fifteen sixty four to undertake the instruction of the moriscos at his own expense but only on condition that the inquisition should have nothing to do with them except in cases of open and defiant sin 
even without the aggravation of the inquisition the condition of the moriscos was deplorable they had been promised in return for baptism that they should have all the privileges of christians but this like all other pledges was made only to be broken enforced conversion had added to their burdens and had brought no compensatory relief they were christians as regards duties and responsibilities but they remained moors in respect to liabilities and inequality before the law in fifteen twenty five the syndics of the alhamas pointed out that in order to enjoy their religion they had been subjected by their lords to many imposts and servitudes which they could not render as christians for they would not be allowed to work on sundays and feast days wherefore they asked to be taxed only as christians to this it was replied in the concordia of fifteen twenty eight that they should be treated as christians and that to avoid injury to parties investigation should be made to prevent injustice their lords however did not admit this and in the same year the cortes of valencia declared that they retained all their rights over their vassals who were forbidden to change their domiciles the lords accepted the tithes and the first fruits as a compensation but merely added these fresh burdens on their vassals who were powerless to resist charles recognized this injustice and his responsibility for it but he dared not raise a conflict with the nobles and he sought to shield himself behind the awful authority of the inquisition he therefore procured from clement the seventh july fifteenth fifteen thirty one a remarkable brief reciting that when the saracens were converted the barons and knights in compensation for the losses inflicted on them were empowered to exact from their vassals the tithes and first fruits but they have not only enjoyed these new imposts but have continued to extort the personal services and acofras and other demands of the anti-conversion period thus the converts unable to endure these accumulated burdens allege them as justifying their retaining their old customs and disregarding the christian feasts and ceremonies as charles had asked him for a remedy and as he knew nothing of the matter he committed it to manrique with power to hear complaints and render justice enforcing his decisions with censures the role of protector of the moriscos was novel for the inquisition and manrique kept the brief until january fifteen thirty four when in sending fray antonio de calcena and antonio ramirez de aro as commissioners to organize the morisco churches he informed them that the king ordered the concordia to be enforced the new christians were in all things to be treated like the old they were to investigate secretly and report whether this was the case apparently the inquisition shrank from the unaccustomed task there is no trace of its intervention in behalf of the oppressed moriscos and its only prosecutions of the nobles were for favoring their vassals against persecution as for the cortes their sole efforts were directed to increase the burdens of the vassals and in case of their condemnation to profit by the confiscations thus they were mercilessly pillaged besides the division of the crops for which one-third or one-half went to the lord and besides the tithes and first-fruits there were innumerable imposts of all kinds and forced loans or benevolences in fifteen sixty one one of the numerous consultas on the morisco question alludes to the hardship of forcing them to live like christians and pay like moors the king it added ought to relieve them from these unjust impositions but it would throw the whole kingdom into confusion and impede the work of conversion so the commissioners ought to see how it could be brought about that they should pay no more than the christians this continued to the end in sixteen o eight padre antonio sobrino s j argued that one of the chief obstacles to conversion was the tyranny of the lords and in addition to the exactions in money and kind he alludes to the forced labors imposed on them on meagre wages and still more meagre food or frequently with no wages
in fact they were virtually tiables et corviables a misericorde and their oppression was tempered only by the ever-present apprehension of rebellion and in the coast districts by the facilities of escape to africa even their ecclesiastical persecutors were almost moved to pity by the hopeless misery of their lot but we are told that there was no compassion felt for this as it was generally deemed advisable to keep them impoverished and in subjugation the control of the lords over their vassals was further safeguarded by a pragmatica of charles v in fifteen forty one forbidding the moriscos of valencia under pain of death and confiscation from changing either domicile or lord and any one accepting them as vassals without special royal license was fined five hundred florins or was scourged in default of the money granadan and castilian moriscos were threatened with death for entering valencia and this in fifteen forty five was extended to those of aragon this ferocious legislation was repeated in fifteen sixty three and fifteen eighty six akin to this was the suicidal policy of forbidding the immigration of those who were recognized as dangerous domestic enemies this as we have seen was begun by ferdinand and isabella and was rigidly persisted in partly no doubt from a pious scruple of allowing the baptized to apostatize in barbary and partly to protect the lords from the loss of their vassals in time this was enforced in aragon by the inquisition which published edicts to that effect including the guidance over the mountains of emigrants by christians in the auto of june sixth fifteen eighty five the tribunal punished two who were seeking to leave the country and two who served as guides and scourging and imprisonment for a woman not only was this a grievous hardship by depriving the oppressed of all hope of relief but it was a fatal error for if the discontented had been allowed to expatriate themselves the remainder would have commanded better treatment and the morisco question which for half a century distracted spanish statesmanship might have settled itself without the desperate expedient of expulsion disarmament was another precaution entailing a grievance which was keenly felt we have seen it in granada and that in valencia it was a prudent preliminary to enforced baptism in fifteen twenty five in the concordia of fifteen twenty eight the moriscos asked that their arms be restored to them and were told that they would be treated as old christians this promise like the rest was broken the pragmatica of fifteen forty one among its other restrictions included that of bearing arms this was not enforced and in fifteen forty five orders were sent to carry it into effect but the methods suggested show that it was regarded as a dangerous business and the purpose was abandoned in 1552 saint thomas of villanova urged that it should be done and so did inquisitor miranda in 1561 finally in 1563 the work was done by a sudden simultaneous action of the lords when the inventories compiled show that in sixteen thousand three hundred seventy seven morisco houses there were seized fourteen thousand nine hundred thirty swords three thousand four hundred fifty four crossbows and a long list of other weapons indicating how industriously the moriscos had provided themselves in aragon the matter was confided to the inquisition the tribunal of saragossa issued a decree november fourth fifteen fifty nine forbidding the moriscos from carrying arms but the nobles appealed to the suprema and procured its indefinite suspension the question was revived in fifteen ninety but a quarrel with the archbishop on a point of precedence delayed its consideration and then the troubles of antonio perez distracted attention finally in fifteen ninety three philip the second ordered the disarmament the execution of which was entrusted to the tribunal two inquisitors traversed the land and collected seven thousand seventy six swords 
3,783 arquebuses, 489 crossbows, 1,356 pikes, lances, and halberds, and large numbers of other weapons. Knives were permitted, but these increased in size until they became formidable. After two or three officials of the Inquisition had been killed with them when making arrests, a royal edict of 1603 limited them to a third of an ell in length and required them to be pointless. The result of these precautions was seen when the edict of expulsion was enforced and the desperate wretches who essayed a hopeless resistance were slaughtered. End of section 45